Welcome to Anything But Routine, presented by Just For Kicks. This podcast covers everything and anything dance. Stay up to date with the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. This is Cindy Clow, and I'm excited to talk today. I'm answering questions from Claire Augustine Hickson from Texas, and she heard me speak at the Texas Dance Educators Association Convention and had a whole list of questions for me to ask. So I'm glad you enjoyed that presentation, and here we go. So her first question is, she's a first-year teacher, and how does she set expectations in a new environment and I guess if I, I, you know, I'm in my 43rd year, so thinking back to my first year is like, whoa, it's kind of hard to think back that far. But I remember how hard it was. And I guess the first thing I would do, say is meet with your athletic director, meet with the former coach that was there before you so that you can find out the laws of the land, you know, and, and try to figure out what the expectations are of the team. I would meet with the kids that are the team leaders that you're taking over. One of the biggest advices I will give you is don't change too much too fast. I, I would think that you don't wanna, you wanna make it your team eventually, but take the time to um, let them feel like they are a part of it because otherwise they will resist you. So just think, think of it as going in to this year as tug of war and you want the kids on your side not the other side so if you can kind of, the more you involve them in decisions and you know i've always said i i involve my kids so much so they definitely feel like they have a voice and they definitely feel like they're a part of the team that doesn't mean they always get their way because there's times i've said i've heard you now here's what we're going to do but i still listen you know and i still have to do what my gut says is right but I would try to, the other thing I would do is try to set goals together with your leaders. And one of the things I do with my team every year is I let them help me complete this statement on this team we, and they own it. They want to own it. And they want, you know, they'll say stuff like, we work hard, we show up, we're on time, we care, we are, you know, help each other, we mentor each other. So the list goes on, but let them help you set that goal that on this team we uh, communicate with them and write down all the things and uh, communicate with your parents, communicate with your the teachers in your school, communicate with your athletes and communicate with um, school athletes, parents is what I was missing. I knew there was one thing. A parent meeting is so important for a new coach. So make sure you do that so they get to know you. They realize you're not sitting up nights dreaming of ways to make their life, tor you know, to torture their children. They get to see you as a person and as somebody that's working for their child. And sing your own praises when, you know, I will say that takes, that's harder when you're a first year coach. So those would be my first things for setting expectations. Now, the next question was how to have confidence in yourself as a leader. I will say this, and it's a slow process. I do not have the comp, I did not have the confidence my first year that I have now. That's a series of, of screwing up and learning and picking yourself back up, being resilient and realizing it's not gonna happen overnight. But every hurdle that you overcome 
every um, challenge that you face will make you stronger. So think about, oh, here's another dang growth experience, you know, every time you go through something. Um, I had a weird aha moment this summer. My, and like I told you, I've been coaching a long time in, in the same district. And my school is being remodeled right now. So I, my, my athletic director had moved to the office where my former athletic director was. And so I had to walk up the sidewalk that it was in a different building that I had not walked up that sidewalk for probably 25 years. And it brought back to me, oh yeah, I remember what I used to feel like walking in here. I was a lot more frightened to meet my athletic director. It was scary. I had to plan it. Where now, that doesn't even phase me or make me think about it. That's confidence. That's um, successes. Every little success you have makes you more confident. So, um, you know, goof up, fix it, learn. These are all things to growth experience. The other thing I would say, stand up for yourself if there, you know, I went through a couple years in my school where I had these nasty head coaches and single, singularly they were not, but there was one person that was kind of stirring the pot and, and saying things about me and, you know, my business had started taking off. I'd started to get kind of uh, successful and it was jealousy. And so finally one day I decided to have a meeting with all the head coaches. And let me tell you, I was only like 30 or I don't know how old I was. And I had called all these head coaches. Lots were much older than me at the time. And I met them at a cafe. And I remember my telling my athletic director I wanted to do this. And he goes, well, if you think you need to. And I said, I think I need to because there's all this trash talking going on about me and yada, yada. So I held this meeting. And afterwards, I actually had several or, you know, almost all of them come up to me and say, I'm so sorry that I got sucked into all this drama and thank you for you know telling setting us straight and i apologize it was a turning point for me in my community a turning point so i would just say you need to learn to stand up for yourself too to have confidence you know um the other the last thing i'd say on confidence is expect some things to go wrong because then when they hit you you won't be like blindsided so don't think it's going to be smooth sailing all year there's going to be some rough patches and probably more rough than smooth when you're new. And just if you expect that, things will go better. Um, get a mentor right on this Facebook is awesome. And this, uh, you know, our dance coaches and teachers unite. This is the type of thing you need to do to get through it. Find that mentor to help you. So the next question is, how do you get parents to be involved when they're not very involved in the program? New parents. I would probably start. I had that problem when I started too. And then, then it went to the point where we had overly involved, and now we're to the point where it's perfect. So um, parent involvement. Start with a mixer, maybe a potluck with all the kids. I, I get a mic out and let the, each kid introduce their parents, and then we put some games out there. We have some dads frying some, you know, get ask for help and have, turn it into a picnic and, with intros. And then publicly tell them what help you need. And... I don't have a booster club, but I have, hey, I need, have this fundraiser coming up. Can you help me? And I also talk about just the positive things they can do for their kids when they're really tired. I have a really competitive team, so our year is really tough. And, you know, sometimes it's just that moral, that emotional support they can give them. 
Um, I also have given my parents a list, and I could share this with you, I have it somewhere, but a list of positive things they can do to support their child during the dance season. And, you know, maybe list a few duties and have um, volunteers help. I think a lot of people don't want to sign up for a whole year of doing something, but if you would say, I need a chair for this short fundraiser, I need a chair for this, you would get parents to help you. Um, It'll happen. That'll happen too. It's not going to happen overnight. It starts with a few and it spreads to more. And just like anything, a few parents will do the majority of the work and some will do not as much. But um, I feel like I have a very great parent group. Here's an example I had just on social media said, oh gosh, I wish we had some boards to dance outside during COVID-19 so we could spread out but still practice our turn sets and this type of thing. And the next day, it was on a Saturday, I put that on social media. The next day, two dads showed up in my driveway with a sample board, and I didn't ask them to make them. They just did it. So the other thing is praise and thank them. You know, you could have a silent, like whatever your name, like say you're the Buccaneers, you could have a silent Buccaneer dance team parent award every year, you know, one that goes about their job and quietly but helps you. That would be a neat thing because whatever you – you know, praise or notice will get repeated with the other parents. So that'd be a good thing. So how to teach, the next question is how to teach parents that the kids have expectations and they can't, you know, for instance, get their kid late to tryouts or like an audition and expect the child to make the tryouts. I think that all comes with back to your parent meeting and setting the standards for your team. And what, you know, I always, first thing I start out with my parents is, I run a tight ship and we have extra dancers. We don't have alternates, but let's say I'm gonna dance 20, 32, I would have you know, 36 kids maybe. So the kids are vying to get in there or if all 32 are dancing varsity, I would have JV kids I could pull up if a varsity kid did not make, wasn't you know making the grade. So I just, it, it ends up being kind of a competition to get in and that helps me a lot. But I think the parents need to realize that. I think really much so that if you compare it to other sports, like, you know, basketball is kids on the bench waiting to get in. And they need to know that you have to have consequences if kids don't show up, if kids are late, if kids... um, And I'm one of these people that I hate demerits. I do not use demerits. I want to catch my kids doing something right, not something wrong. So I don't do that at all. Ours, I don't even have any, like if you're late, nothing happens type of thing. It's just our unexpected, it's just our unwritten expectation of what we do on our team. Um, You know, back to that on this team, we, we show up, we're on time and our kids police each other. They come running if they're late, you know, if they've got stopped by a train or they have a flat tire or something like that, they are running to get to practice. They want to be on time. So, it's just that expectation that the kids will, you know, bring that back to the parents. And the kids are who carry home to the parents what these expectations are because they don't, they shouldn't want to be late for that audition, you know? So uh, you really do need to compare it to other sports that you're not just a sideline activity, you are a sport that the kids have to make the cut or whatever. So the next question was, um, how do you what how do you know when a kid is sucking the life out of your team? Well, I feel like you'll know. You know, 
I call them energy vampires. And you don't want somebody who's draining the energy out of your team and sucking the living life out of you. You will know. So don't allow it. When that happens, I, you know, almost everything listed in these questions comes down to communication. So, you know, if a kid was acting that way on my team, they'd be, I'd be like, you know, Alyssa, let's meet out in the hall. And I do it when it happens. I like to compare it to training a, a puppy to potty train a puppy. You don't let the potty or the, the puppy, you know, wet on the rug and then tell them a week later. You deal with it when it happens. So try to be that type of coach. When when a, when an athlete does something that you're not approving or appreciating, that would be the time to talk to them right when it's fresh. And, you know, I would just say, hey, Alyssa, um, that's not going to cut it here. Your behavior is not going to cut it here. So you, you know, and I go, I, I usually follow it, but I really want you on this team. You're a strong member, but I need you to X, Y, Z, you know, I need you to whatever she wasn't doing. And we have such a strong culture on our team that one day I had a new, a new dancer move in and she, we were having our, one of our first practices of the summer and we were sitting kind of sitting close. This wasn't this year during COVID. It was another year. And she rolled her eyes and it was like the other kids saw it and they all, it's just like I saw every head turn to me like, what are you going to do about that? And I didn't say anything right then. But later we practiced a little, we sat down for the end of the practice and I said, or it, it didn't ha happen sitting down. It happened when she was dancing and kids saw it and they all stared at me. And so then when I had them sitting down at the end, that's when I said, today, someone rolled their eyes at me and I go it will never happen again and then that's all I said but you got to be tough and the other thing you can do with energy vampires I got this from a class I took called top 20 training which was great and they made the tornado sign a little whirling your finger going in a circle if somebody's being negative if they're not honoring the absent like talking about somebody who's not there or if they're you know being Debbie down or negative you make the tornado sign so that's how I would get rid of an energy vampire. And I would, I would just say, are you going to be, want, do you want to be on this team? Because if you're acting that way, it shows me you don't really want to be here. So what, is there something going on at home? Sometimes it's a signal of another problem. So you just have to figure that out. Okay, so the next question is, how do I increase the repertoire of the dances that we're doing? Like last year, she was only able to do two dances total. Uh, for, it just depends, now you're in Texas and maybe you guys you know, I'm, I think you have a longer season. That's about what, I don't know, we do two or three in, in my, or four if we did fall, but our fall teams are separate. But um, the way I would increase it is, number one, maybe, to, maybe use some camp dances. Like this year, the people going to our virtual camp get 20 dances on a zip drive. Well, right there, each you, you could assign, you know, a different dance to every kid. It's just learning that choreography and having someone ready to teach it. I think kids can learn stuff really fast. I look at camp and they're learning so many routines during camp. It's just that we take so long to teach them when we're not prepared. So that will get better too. Divide and conquer who's leading and have a plan, but you have to know what they're doing because I, I always feel like I can lead faster than the kids can lead. So I teach routines really fast. I know my kids get onto college teams and they'll go, whoa, they'll come back and say, thank you for pushing us so hard. We're, we're probably the quickest learners on the college team. So that's just something to know. But divide up the work. Have kids know those dances and learn them. Usually it's either the choreography that takes so long or 
you know, learning it from a video, but having a goal, having a plan, having it written out and learning how fast you can push your, push your kids. I don't let my kids, when we're teaching a routine, I tell them they have to watch a move three times before they can ask a question. And I go, your mom lied to you. There is such a thing as a dumb question and don't ask it at my practice. And you know, you, those kids that are more like an energy vampire, the ones raising their hand all the time and what they're doing is slowing up your practice. Don't allow it. What can I do to get my kids motivated over the summer, especially right now with, you know, not, not being able to be gather, together and whatnot? Well, how to get your kids motivated. Let's see. I would have meetings even by Zoom if you can or in small groups if you can. We are having practices spread out with 10 feet apart or six feet with each kid outside on those boards I was talking about. And I wanted to say this quote to me, your enthusiasm as a coach has to be like a forest fire. The kids need to be able to hear it. They need to be able to see it and they need to be able to smell it. And I want you to really think about that. You have to be so contag positively contagious that your kids are with you and they're ready to conquer the world after they've been with you. That is a skill that you can, I think you can develop it, um, but your excitement will spread to the kids. You know, I was laughed that I had a swim coach that would read our pre-comp, I was on swim team, and she would read our pre-competition, you know, swim meet ritual and be like, you have to swim to win. You have to fight. I mean, like by the time she was done, no one was fired up. Your your energy is what's going to fire up those kids. So spread it to everyone. Your leaders, weak leader, weak season. You know, if you have a bad captain, you're going to have a bad year. So think so hard about how to lead that team with energy and positivity. Adding on to that last question is, how do you keep your kids motivated in the summer? Consider our virtual camp. It's only three days, July 20th through the 22nd, and there are top-notch teachers, top teachers from all over the country. I've got a New York City ballerina, New York City Rockette, an LA yoga guru, Krista Miller, Autumn Miller, and um, Mark Meisner, and then also, uh, KP that has run 21 Super Bowls, the Emmys, the Oscars. Great life advice for these kids. So that I would think it would help. And I know with COVID it's hard. You could maybe get together spread out. They can each do it in their own home if they have to. So that would be a neat thing. Okay, so the last question, um, how to start traditions? Well, the first thing would do is take a step forward and start. Start with a plan. Uh, again, meet with a few leaders. I, I think that you know, I think that you can ask them what they kind of want to do. One thing that's gotten funny is we've added, for me, after coaching so long, is we've added on a tradition every year. And it's like, does this have to be another freaking tradition? We get so many rituals and traditions. So we had to actually limit some of ours. But I'll just tell you some of the stuff we've done. We've done summer swim parties or beach parties that the kids love. We've done a mother-daughter brunch where the kids have to dress the same as their mom and it's hysterical. Like the daughter will wear like mom clothes or the mom will wear kid clothes. We've done a Halloween party where they dress up and it's very fun. We've had parties before state or sections um, and, and stuff like where they have some rituals where they light candles and say their goals and their hopes for the new season or the state tournament or whatever. I think all those type of rituals are fun. So I hope those help. Everyone can add in 
comments what they have done on their team. But I hope this all helps. And thank you so much, Claire Augustine Hickson from Texas for all these great questions, because I think they're gonna help a lot of people. Go get them and it will get better after the first year. Hang in there. Thanks for tuning in to the Anything But Routine podcast. Be sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed this podcast, give us a five-star rating. For more Anything But Routine content, go to justforkicks.com slash anythingbutroutine.